0: crew members, and either welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go, episode by episode, through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show, we will be discussing season four, episode six, I almost said season three, but it's season four, The Augments. Yep. So, what do you think of season four? Uh,
1: well, here's the good news. There's our dog.
0: Yay! Hi, Trudy. Hi, Trudy. She's a good girl.
1: Yep. Um, yeah.
0: Um, they're... Um... I was promised that season four was good. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there to all you people who I found, lied to me. I
1: found that this episode had had many good moments, but overall was disappointing.
0: The thing is, so I agree with your basic assessment of that in that it had many good moments, but the overall result was somewhere between poor and mediocre, mm-hmm. or poor and fine, I guess. But it <laughs> wasn't disappointing, to me at least, because I had no expectations for it.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, the the augment storyline, you've you've already kind of like shuffled that into the same bucket that you shuffle the uh, Mirror Universe. Yes, Whenever it shows up, you just expect bad.
0: Yeah, basically. Okay. I know there are people out there who love the Mirror Universe. There are probably people out there who love this plot line, and I respect you, and I don't understand you. Fair enough. Okay. Just, ugh. Okay. For the arc as a whole, I think the middle episode was... The high yeah, point the middle
1: episode was the strong one.
0: I can't decide whether this one or the first or the the uh, the beginning was worse, though. I think probably this one. Okay. Because among other things, I have major genetically enhanced fatigue now. You were anyway, you
1: were fatigued of the genetic enhancements. You have not been genetically I altered do to do have not more have fatigue. Genic-
0: genetically enhanced fatigue. I'm going to kidnap the dog now.
1: That would be a really strange, strange. Genetic augmentation. Yes, it would. It's like becoming like falling asleep at awkward times, man, or something
0: like that. That's just like right out of a who's Line sketch there. It's, it's
1: one of the lesser known Marvel superheroes. Thank
0: God you're here falling asleep at awkward times, man. <laughs> it's a shame we already have this episode's title. <laughs> yeah. But I guess we can always change things up if we need to.
1: I guess we can.
0: Anyway, this episode's dumb. Should I summarize it?
1: If you're able to, yeah, while I you've got pull, a dog, like I got to pull my notebook lap.
0: out here from under the dog.
1: Oh, this is great. Who
0: I kidnapped? Hi, Trudy.
1: This is I enhancing know. this episode considerably. I know.
0: This, this is my fault, baby girl. I know. Okay, summary. This was the Augments. Um, the dog's in my lap. All right, so. Many loose ends are tied up, and many tensions come to a head in this episode called "The Augments." The NXO-1 crew must save their currently mortal enemies, the Klingons, from an extermination-level threat. Jonathan Archer must eject himself into space to save the people aboard Cold Station Twelve. Trip and T'Pol finally have a much-needed heart-to-heart about the state and nature of their relationship. It's also actually kind of mature. It's amazing. Malcolm Reed gets to fire off some of his beloved photon torpedoes, if you know what I mean. I mean, he gets to fire torpedoes. I,
1: I, I was going to say, I, I might have missed something. Uh...
0: Mayweather sits on the bridge and exists. Hoshi Sato stands on the bridge and says, they're hailing us, Captain. Phlox hangs out off camera and presumably exists in sickbay. Oh, and there's some subplot involving Brent Spiner and some genetically engineered 80s teenagers who dress like middle school goths. But seriously, Who cares? Are we done with this yet? Will the crew of the NX-01 go back to being the stars of their own show? Is Spiner just going to wear those crazy heavy-looking handcuffs all the time forever now? The star of the show, Porthos, will happily take Paul's place in the captain's mess in the evenings.
1: Oh, because Paul's trying to avoid Trip. Yeah. No, it wasn't Trip trying to avoid Paul.
0: Uh, maybe? No. Yes. Yes, Trip is trying to avoid. Okay, right. Trip's place, not to Paul's place. Yeah. Either of their places, he will happily take.
1: Especially if they're both gone. Yeah. Just more more cheese for. Uh,
0: it's true.
1: For Porthos, because no one to stop Archer from just giving giving cheese all the time.
0: It's very true. Anyway, I think I covered all the important parts of the episode there.
1: <laughs> sure. Why not?
0: Um, as you may have guessed, I left out the uh, the major plot of the episode, which continues to involve. What's his name? Eric Sung? Yeah. Eric Sung.
1: Or Aric Sung, something like that.
0: Yeah, something like that. Not Nuni and Sung. Not Nuni and Sung and his genetically enhanced not children um, trying to possibly take over the galaxy or something, but now they have come to they have come to loggerheads about the methods by which they are doing so. Because the, uh, the... We'll
1: talk about that a little bit more, yeah. I think.
0: The crew the crew leader who can't act um, wants to wants to do major violence upon the galaxy. And Brent Spiner does not approve. Yes. And neither does his girlfriend.
1: Malik's girlfriend.
0: Malik's girlfriend. Yes. Brent Spiner doesn't have a girlfriend in this episode.
1: Yes. That, that brings up another point. Yes. So... Um, between this and the next generation and the series that we do not talk about, there have been <laughs> that roughly a <laughs> hundred gazillion Sooms. Yes. None of them seem worth mating with.
0: And yet somehow they keep having descendants. Exactly. Whom are they forcing into sexual slavery with the Sung family?
1: I don't know. I, I assume probably other people played by Brent Spiner. Probably. Because um, A, Brent Spiner can play anything. He's a fantastic actor. Um, and B, they all look exactly the same. So there's, there's no introduction of other genetic components going on. It's true. Are they cloning themselves?
0: I mean, I guess it's possible given that they're all Brent Spiner.
1: Well, that's a little dark, but okay. I yeah. guess that's that then. They're all cloning themselves. They're all
0: cloning themselves.
1: Fair enough. Uh, okay, so there's... Okay, we solved it.
0: Okay. I'm not happy with the way we solved it, but we solved it. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, well, before we get too far into other things, I think I have something to talk to you about trivial things?
0: Trivia, yes.
1: So, um, you were talking about Malik's girlfriend. I was. Um. You remember what her name was? Persis. Right. Seems like an odd sort of name, doesn't it? It sure does. And yet, there is one other person in Star Trek who has had that name. Is there? Yes. Um, and I'm going to probably mispronounce this, but Persis Kambata. Okay. She was an actress who played Lieutenant Ilya in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Okay. The Deltan, the, the bald...
0: Yes, I remember her. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, she had actually passed away not too, too long before this Aww. episode, and... It's not, you know, certain, but my guess is that the the choice of name was kind of a little tribute to her.
0: I would like to say what a lovely tribute, but I don't know that I can do that sincerely.
1: Yeah, no, not a not a great character.
0: No. Oh well.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Okay. She, yeah, her, cool. sadly, um, probably the peak of her career in the United States was uh playing Lieutenant Ilya.
0: Where was she from? Uh India. Oh, okay.
1: Um and she she did some Bollywood things, but uh uh-huh. she wanted to break you know, make it big in Hollywood.
0: Didn't quite didn't happen.
1: Didn't quite happen.
0: No. Oh wheel.
1: And she passed away and you know, sadly very young.
0: Oh so that is sad. Yeah. Well, so did Persis in this episode. Yeah, that
1: did happen.
0: Yeah. A lot uh, of people passed away. Yeah, here.
1: yeah. A lot of people passed away in this episode, and it was sad.
0: Was it though? It wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. I'm just not sure I would describe it as sad.
1: Oh dear. Okay. So, um, how about if we talk about faith of the start? Yes. I have no good transition there.
0: Faith of the start, in which we answer ourselves, in which we ask ourselves, in
1: which we answer ourselves. Really. <laughs> We're out of practice.
0: I don't know what that even means. It's like pantsing yourself without the P.
1: I was thinking like like getting like a whole bunch of ants.
0: No. Faith of the start, <laughs> in which we ask ourselves one increasingly not simple question. On a scale of one to ten, how much did the theme song ruin the cold open? I, I gave it a seven.
1: I gave it a five. Oh really? Because this is exactly par for the course.
0: I thought it was a little <laughs> bit higher than just average ruination.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Oh, bye, Trudy.
1: But it, it was probably a little above average ruination. But it it was, it was exactly what I'm what I'm come to expect.
0: It, 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 fair.
1: So for for the audience who presumably. Um, unless one of us is listening uh, to this <laughs> podcast, in which case we are the audience. Yes. Um, as as the theme song plays, so you you may recall if you watched the episode that just before the theme song kicks in, deadly pathogens were uh, were spewing out I uh, into the place where Jonathan Archer was, and you know followed immediately long road etc and so i i started singing he sure did yeah. i've got pathogens <laughs> pathogens of the heart and you, you kind of had and kidneys
0: and spleen and brain and skin and <laughs> you, you kind of had to be there
1: it, it was it was funny at the time
0: it was i promise
1: yeah um yeah, because that's that's the transition I'm thinking.
0: But it was just like you know there were there there were very intense musical cues happening and a super serious this may be the end expression non Scott Bakula's profile and then we cut to corny pop song. Mm-hmm. So especially given their relatively good track record as of late, this felt like greater than average. Oh, cold open rumination. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not arguing with you about no. that.
0: I, I'm fine with averaging out to six. That, I'm mostly that feels correct. I'm just
1: amused by the little song I made.
0: The Faith of the Pathogens or the Pathogens of the Heart. Yeah, the One Pathogens of, of the Heart. Yes. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Pluses and minuses? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, I can start. Go ahead while I figure out what the heck I meant by something. <laughs>
1: Plus, uh, it picks up right where we left off with the uh, threat of the Pathogens, and I thought that it was, they, they didn't draw it out, they went and solved it.
0: Yep. Good and, job. It was exciting. And uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, my first plus is Archer in Space. It was cool looking. Oh, like, yeah. The C- you know, the CG was fairly obvious, as you would expect it to be at this point. But it was a neat effect. It made me laugh, I thought, just about the right amount. And then when, uh, when they go to frozen Scott Bakula on the transporter, I was like, oh, that, that's actually fairly effective. Yeah, no, that as was a, cool. As an, we know Archer's not actually going to sacrifice himself because he's the star of the show, but dang, that kind of looks like it hurt.
1: Oh, yeah. I suspect that was not pleasant.
0: Nope. Yeah. So I like that.
1: Yeah, me too. Um... I, I'm just gonna roll a lot of these in together. Brent Spiner. He's a really good actor.
0: You're gonna have and to he, be more specific than that though.
1: Um the the way that he was like sparring with Malik. Yeah. Near the beginning was excellent. Mm. Um the way he sort of is toying with Archer mm-hmm. later on. It it's just it's good. He's a good actor. I like he watching them work. I wish the world were better.
0: Indeed. Um, I'm going to very begrudgingly admit that I liked... I'm not sure liked is the right word. I thought the diabolical Klingon destruction plot was a good villain idea. It was suitably diabolical to make the bad guys look really, really bad. Okay. The diabolical plot was to release yet more pathogens into this Klingon colony and basically exterminate them and make it look like Earth had been responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Thus, beginning a war, at least in theory, between the Klingons and Earth.
1: Also, one one must, like, wonder, th- so this is, the Cold Station 12 is it apparently, like, a, a research station or, like, a containment station or something like that? Apparently. Why do they have quantities of these pathogens to lead to, like, planetary destruction.
0: Is it like the Federation CDC or something? I don't think the CDC has enough smallpox
1: there to, like... I guess you could eventually get an epidemic, but, like, they've got small amounts of it there. Whereas, if I remember right, didn't they say Malik stole 30 tons? They did say that, yes. 30 tons of a biological pathogen seems like more than you'd want for research
0: purposes? Well, maybe they're doing bioterrorism.
1: We are learning a lot of things about the Earth-Denobulin Alliance Or maybe
0: they're doing counter-bioterrorism or something like that, but
1: I don't know. With large,
0: okay, okay. Maybe it takes a lot of pathogens to kill a Denobulin. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they didn't think this through.
1: Maybe they didn't think this through.
0: That seems most likely. Um, are we on you or me? Um, yeah, me. Okay. I like the
1: the special effects on the Klingon bird of prey, because they reminded me very much of Star Trek Four. and that's something I want to be reminded of.
0: That's fair. I thought that in general the effects were pretty good in this episode. There mm-hmm. were a few things that looked goofy, like the the shiny green pulsating torpedo beam rotating around the Klingon colony planet was pretty silly looking, but.
1: Look, I know why they're doing the, the torpedo effect like that. That's what they did at the beginning of Star Trek: The Next Generation. But uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. When, more on that later. When
1: you when you zoom in on it, it doesn't hold up so well. It does. It not. It works fine, like briefly from far away, but zoomed in, really.
0: But there were a lot of moments in the episode, and one was actually when the bird of play was the bird of play. The bird of prey was blowing up. Um, when I was like, okay, the CG is really obvious here, but it still looks cool. Mm-hmm. It's still a cool effect. It, it was. This was a well. This was a well constructed episode.
1: Yeah. Good job, LeVar Burton.
0: Assuming yeah. I don't think he was responsible for the CG.
1: Huh? Okay. Also, uh, listeners, write in and tell us what would a Klingon bird of play look like.
0: Oh no. Like oh, I'm no. High,
1: like personally, I don't want to. This you is know, a bias family show. I'm picturing it's basically a McDonald's play place, but, like, Klingon-themed.
0: Okay, yeah, you went like somewhere you different go, with that you go through the little
1: tube, and it's, like, the Journey of k And <laughs> then you go into, like, the ball pit that, that's, like, um, say, stovecore, maybe.
0: One of our dedicated listeners is going to send this to us. Now one of you has to, or I'll be disappointed. <laughs> anyway... Um, I'm once again not sure whose turn it oh, is. Oh, it's
1: your It's your turn.
0: It's my turn. Okay. Um, Brent Spiner has... A, I'm going to be more specific than you were. Brent Spiner has a good, emotionally devastated face. Uh-huh. So when the Klingon bird of prey carrying all of his not-actually-children blew up, I didn't care, but I could sure tell that he did. Mm-hmm. And that was... Probably the most, it was the second most emotionally affecting thing in the episode after the continuation of the trip to Paul soap opera.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, like, yeah, like, that's he's, all. He's good. I fell for him, but. Uh,
0: you liked him more than I did, but we'll get to that.
1: Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, the trip into Paul soap opera. Yeah. It was good. Those it two are, are way more compelling now than they were, uh, say, middle of season three. It's
0: like currently the one thing that season four is doing better than season three is tripping to Paul's relationship because they spent all of season three being really annoying jerks to each other, and now they're talking to each other like grown ups and saying things that make sense. Mm hmm. And where was this last season?
1: But also, like, they seem. It's more believable that they care about each other it is and it's also less weird sci-fi romance like there are no clones involved in in this relationship there are no more like uh drugs yeah. that mess no up one's your... un-
0: no one's under the influence no one's having Ponfar, no one's under the influence of
1: trellium d yeah yeah
0: Everybody's just being themselves, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the dialing back, writers. It's easy. It's a more, yeah, it's a
1: more uh, affecting romance sort of situation when it's grounded in not weird sci-fi.
0: It is. You're up. I'm up. Okay. Um, I liked again begrudgingly Malik's death, where you just get to see. Archer and his gun through the smoking hole <laughs> in Malik's torso.
1: Are you sure he's dead, though?
0: We saw him die. Mm-hmm. We actually yes, did see I, him I, die. I'm just
1: giving, I'm giving her a hard time. Because...
0: because when Malik killed his girlfriend, Persis, we did not actually see her die. And I was briefly convinced that, oh, she's going to come back and she's going to be the one who offs him since we know he's getting off by the end of the episode because never believe that they're dead unless you saw them die and genetically engineered means anything you want it to mean, including immortal. So.
1: And that's why I make, I make fun of her.
0: Come on. He you? had a hole in him. If you're yes. immortal, you
1: can have a hole in you.
0: <sighs> it depends on the particular rules of your immortality
1: gotta remove the head um and while you do so you scream there can be only one
0: that's why i said it depends on the particular rules of their immortality okay anyway i liked that that was fun
1: i enjoyed it was dumb and silly but i enjoyed archer trying to be a klingon
0: oh yeah that was fun (laughs) <laughs> he was very bad at it. Scott Bakula did an admirable job in that scene of playing a really bad actor. Yep. But it worked. It did. Scott Bakula, I, uh, however much crap I give him sometimes, is not a bad actor. And I was impressed at how good he was at pulling off Archer Can't Act.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I also appreciated that it didn't work twice.
0: Correct. That was good. Um, the music was good. I don't have anything particular to point to, but I noticed in the credits that it was Vernon Ray Bunch who has done a he lot has, of my favorite yep. Enterprise episode scores. Mm-hmm. So uh, not surprised. Good good work, sir. Yeah.
1: Um. The sets. Yeah. I mean, I think mostly the Klingon ship set, but I, they were good.
0: I like the design of the prison cell too.
1: Uh, his prison cell at the end? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: The... Giant handcuffs thing was a little bit weird, but the design of the prison cell was appealingly monkish. Hmm. Okay. And since he's basically going to live out the rest of his life as a monk inventor, from the sound of it.
1: Unless he has
0: descendants. Which he's going to. Ugh. So,
1: so monks have to stay celibate. Does that mean monks are not, are they allowed to clone themselves?
0: I don't think that was covered in the Benedictine rule. What could it be? I will check. Or what good are the Benedictine rules if they haven't covered that? I think that Benedict would have disapproved. Okay. You are not supposed to um, take for yourself what is supposed to be relegated only to God.
1: Thank you. You see, our podcast has everything.
0: I suppose it does. Please cut out that long, awkward silence that just happened. Maybe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Are we on minuses? Because I'm out.
1: Oh, I got a few more. Oh, okay. Um, The... I liked the uh, final uh, surprise attack that Malak had at the end.
0: Okay. I didn't see that coming. That's true. That was like... It wasn't quite a jump scare, but it was jump scare-ish and it was reasonably effective.
1: It was... Yeah, it was cool. Um, Okay. There's that cheesy scene where... Malik is crawling along the floor in his damaged bird of prey, and I was just getting ready for him to start quoting uh, Wrath of Khan. Oh. Which part? Uh, from Hell's Heart, I Stab at Thee.
0: I don't think they can get away with stealing the same line from Moby Dick twice.
1: Well, I mean, they've gotten away with Brent Spiner playing... True. Brent Spiner like 15 True. times.
0: True. True. They might as well get away with just resurrecting Khan, Noonie, and Singh at every opportunity they get.
1: <laughs> Writers don't. Yeah, please, um,
0: please, no. No, 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 no.
1: Yeah, no, I I appreciated just how much it felt like that scene. I also appreciated that, you know, while I joked about that line, that they didn't actually do that.
0: Yeah. I I, I yeah, that would have been too much. And it was already too much. We'll get to that in a moment.
1: Yeah. Um, and I guess Leslie, when Malak killed his uh, girlfriend, Persis, that was really disturbing. And I think it was supposed to be. Yeah, it was. They succeeded at making it disturbing.
0: They did. Yeah. We'll get to everything else. All right. Minuses. Go. Okay. I can
1: tell you, you were just dying to get it off I was going
0: to go, I was going to go in reverse order of how much they were important to the episode anyway. And so I'll just go right into this one. I did not like that Persis's betrayal of the other augments and death at the hands of Malik required her to temporarily be incredibly dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, of course he was going to figure out that it was her. Yeah. She did a terrible job of trying to cover her tracks. Mm-hmm. Well, she did no job of trying to cover her tracks. And then after she realized, oops, I did no job of trying to cover my traps she did a terrible job of trying to retroactively cover it up and it's like this chick is supposed to be you know as smart and as strong and as whatever else you get by being genetically enhanced as everybody else is i do not like that this plot requires her to completely lose her head
1: yeah i i completely agree with you on that i found that that whole scene was was hard to watch because it's like She's smarter than that. She's supposed to be, and, anyway. And here she is, and it's just like, we're just like, okay, so he's going to try to kill her.
0: Uh-huh. It was, yeah. And, like, if he somehow hadn't figured it out, that would have been the writers having to make him dumb. Mm-hmm. So there was no way to win at that point.
1: Yeah, just bad. Yep. Um, why did they, they didn't have to bring up the Botany Bay. Yes, they did. No, they shouldn't have. Because
0: that's their new philosophy of how this show works.
1: I, I've i said my piece.
0: I know. I agree with you. I'm just saying that's their new philosophy of how this show works. Mm-hmm. Um, I reiterate something that I said in, the, in our podcast episode on the first part of this trilogy. I don't like angry Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's good at angry. And I thought that he went to... I thought that he went from zero to ten way too quickly in the early scenes with Malik, Especially since Sung is supposed to be the reasonable level-headed one who's still on this ship. And he didn't look reasonable or level-headed. He He looked like he was an angry old man shouting angrily.
1: He looked to me like he was trying to assert dominance.
0: dominance. He was trying
1: to be the alpha dog and failing.
0: But... It's more effective, I think, when Spiner does that quietly. Fair. Whoever told him to attempt to burst a blood vessel in his temple, Lavar Burden, was giving him bad direction.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to do, do one of the big ones right okay. now. So, yes, Malak is a monster. Uh-huh. Problem is... And he still can't act. All of the other augments just go along with it. Uh Uh-huh. With, at no point did anyone try to argue, hey, we're supposed to be better than than the humans. Why are we going to go and get billions of them killed? No, that that was never even discussed. It's just either you are with cartoon villain or you are a non-character just... I will yeah. go along with, or your Persis, who is the only other one of the Augments to have any personality. And uh-huh. uh, she decides to go against him through subtle sabotage. And no point is like talking with anyone being like, hey, do we really want to be responsible for that kind of amount of murder? Yeah. it, it Just like there were some ethics that could have been discussed and no one bothered.
0: Yeah, and that could have been a possibly more interesting episode if they had gone in that direction. But you are correct. Everybody else was basically a window dressing, even though they're all supposed to be genetically enhanced. Mm-hmm. I did not care for the stuff that Deep Space Nine did with genetic enhancement, especially in the episodes where they had the four genetically enhanced weirdos who showed up from time to time. Except the but, song. Except the song. But... They at least gave the four genetically enhanced weirdos very memorable and distinct personalities Mm -hmm. such that you could see what the deal was with all of these people. And they were all really uncomfortable in their own special little ways. Whereas here we've got the one guy, his girlfriend, and a bunch of people who are there to say the equivalent of hailing frequencies open, Captain. Yeah. Yeah. Many missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. You are very correct. Um, I have the complaint about this that I have about many other episodes, but it still applies here. There is no suspense because we know that the NX01 is going to win this fight, and we also know that Eric Sung is going to be okay at the end of it. Do we know that? I think we do. Precisely because there are more generations of Brent Spiner Sungs that we know have already happened.
1: Maybe he's an uncle?
0: Maybe, but, you know, they confirmed at the end for us that the Sung legacy will oh, live on. okay,
1: okay, you want to talk about that?
0: I was going to at some point. In any case, like, we we know that the Enterprise is going to succeed at its mission, and this Klingon colony is not going to get wiped out, so. Yeah. That much, it was like, I'm kind of waiting for nothing to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that that little epilogue was super oh, unnecessary. So,
0: uh, I hate it. I hate Might it. Might take
1: a generation or two. Oh, come on. I hate you
0: and I hate this.
1: A, you soons are incredibly boring. You just take on your, your whatever your parent did, you just do that you and you, you also dress exactly like your parent and you have the same face as your parents.
0: Seriously, will one of you, like, become a concert pianist or an accountant or a, gardener or something
1: like yeah why why are you why are you doing that
0: (sighs) uh reasons that's
1: that's not how people work
0: it is in the song family apparently (sighs) (sighs) yes indeed that leads nicely into my big beef with this entire arc and this episode in particular because obviously they're talking about the creation of data a couple of generations. Oh down wait, the that's road. what they are. Yeah, I know, right? It was so well hidden. Who
1: could have guessed?
0: Who could have guessed? Is that I do not want Enterprise to become a TNG tie-in show, and I'm really afraid that that's the direction that they're heading in for this season. Like, I do not want this entire season to just be a whole lot of look—it's that other Star Trek thing you love, but on Enterprise. I like these characters. I want them to be the stars of their own show. I don't want them to be shoved to the sidelines so that we can bring people from the other shows back. I'm sorry. I know you have bad news for me.
1: I'm, I'm just going to let the news hit you when it does.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, do Klingon vessels even have escape pods? Apparently. I didn't think they did. I mean, I would assume that would be the most dishonorable thing. Yeah. But I guess every so often. would any playing
1: to... on be like, no, don't put me in an escape pod. I must fight and go to Stovacor and die an honorable death. Or are the escape pods only there for when the vessel has a dishonorable problem? Like, if the vessel's going to break because of, like, uh a warp core malfunction or something and not in and battle and you're not going to die in that's, battle that's that's the time okay, you that's use probably the escape pods
0: you use the escape pods only to escape dishonor
1: okay but if you're in battle you never use the escape pods
0: that seems likely okay i'm glad we figured that problem out yeah that was bothering me too
1: <laughs> i'm glad you were also bothered by that.
0: also my arm is asleep and the dog just farted Figured everybody needed to know that. Should
1: I cut that out? Probably. (laughs) Remind me to do that later.
0: What if I don't? Sorry, listeners. (laughs) I'm out. I didn't have that many minuses, but I thought they were all large.
1: Oh, okay. Um, This was not a good time for Chip and Paul to be doing this.
0: It wasn't. I liked the scene. but I
1: liked it, but it was not a good time for it.
0: But, I mean, when else are they going to do it when this has become the TNG tie-in show?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I also have to give a minus to that scene where Malik is basically just being in Wrath of Khan. Yes. I, I both liked it and didn't like it. It was complicated.
0: I understand. I don't want this to become a Wrath of Khan tie-in show, either. Yeah.
1: Apparently, Apparently, Star Trek is trying to move in on our... Our space. They've heard that uh, doing a Star Trek podcast is where it's at, thanks exclusively to us. And mm-hmm. so now they're uh, they're doing a Wrath of pa- Wrath of Khan prequel podcast. What? Yeah, I told you about this. Oh,
0: you yeah, you described it as like a radio show type thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did tell me about this. I don't know how I feel about it.
1: It's just another another. Case of Star Trek trying to ride our coattails. It's true.
0: Y'all really need to stop doing that.
1: And also, if you're gonna do
0: that, could you at least like
1: give us some of your listeners?
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, um
1: uh, are you you're out of mind? Yeah. Okay. So why did Soong think that that would help when he uh, started talking in Klingon? I don't know. Like, Ark Soong is some like he's he's not a great character, but At least he's usually got this uh, cleverness about him where he he comes up with something, you know, reasonably smart. Here he didn't. This is more like a, uh, you know, he's in way over his head and he's trying to look like he's confident. But there was no point to that at all.
0: Nope. Spiner did have a fantastic reading of that line, I tried, but. I wasn't sure what he had tried to do yeah, exactly.
1: That, like, yeah, Spider is great, but that, why, that was weird, not a character, to even attempt that. Yes. He's just showing off that he speaks Klingon. Yes. You don't need to show off that you speak Klingon. Um, so. The, uh, Malak is, is talking about how Soong has changed. How Soong isn't how Malak remembered. Did, was Soong ever like that? Ever like what? Malik seems to remember Soong as as being just as like murdery as he is.
0: I have no idea because we don't know these people.
1: Yeah, it was, that was weird and I didn't really like that.
0: No, but that's the kind of line that they feel like they have to stick into this episode.
1: I guess so. And with that, I'm out of minuses.
0: All right, please let us be done with this arc.
1: I think we're done with this arc.
0: Thank God. Okay. All right, in that case, we just have some awards to give out.
1: So, um, The Mayweather Report. Was, who was I have the f- most Travis Mayweather of this episode?
0: I have the main cast written here, but I think it was the actual proper Travis Mayweather.
1: I disagree. I think it was Phlox.
0: I mean, okay, yes, objectively, probably, because Phlox wasn't really in the episode. Okay, Phlox but-
1: wasn't really in this episode. Phlox, uh, remember when Archer comes out onto the bridge and asks, Oh, did Phlox dismiss you? No. Even Archer's not listening to Phlox. Yeah, but
0: Archer never listens to Phlox. It was... This is established. It was just
1: like this last little bit of...
0: So, okay, I think you could very, very reasonably make the case for Phlox because he is in the episode the least and also that that you just pointed (laughs) out. But I almost feel like Travis Mayweather's marginalization was, as it so often is, even more insulting because he was in the episode a fair bit and never gets to say or do a gosh darn thing except one time when he said something about the warp speed at which they were going flocks mayweather tie
1: sure let's make it a tie why not
0: yeah awards all around and then finally we have the the award nobody wants yes Finally, we have the Kirk Award. Every show, we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. I, I mean, no. Yeah, they're. Uh, I mean, Archer jumped into space in this episode. That feels like a Kirk thing uh,
1: to do. Sure. Archer
0: refused to listen to the advice of his doctor okay we know that's a kirk thing to do okay
1: that's fine with me
0: yep all right are we good we're good all right as always then thank you for listening if you are enjoying this please tell all your friends and family to join the crew if you're really enjoying this please consider leaving us a rating review or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice If you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day, send us some ideas for the show, or submit your color diagram of a potential Klingon bird of play, shoot us an email (laughs) at (laughs) at dog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is the episode The Forge. Take care of yourselves, and until next time, remember to go wherever the pathogens, I mean your heart, will take you. Oh dear. Bye. Bye.
1: crew members, and either welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise Review podcast where we will boldly go, episode by episode, the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and tonight's episode, we're talking about uh, Season 4, Episode 6, The Augments. But right now, I'm mostly distracted by Trudy. Woo. Bye, There Trudy. she goes. There she okay, goes.
0: she doesn't want to be on the podcast tonight. It's should, okay.
1: Should we go back and do that with you actually doing that?
0: Would you rather I do it?
1: Well, I, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs>